Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 703 for October 31st, 2021. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchotts, back with another installment of Programming by Stealth. We are up to 128 of X. How are you doing today, Bart? Hi, I'm doing just fine. I wish I'd prepared a Halloween joke since we're recording on Halloween, but I haven't. So uh, there we go. Boo. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. All right. What are we doing today, Bart? Well, so the whole point, oh, sorry, the first milestone in phase two is to convert the Perl module, crypt colon colon HSXK past WD into a JavaScript module. Uh, We haven't actually talked about JavaScript modules, so we should probably (laughs) describe our actual end goal here before we go too much further. There you go. In fact, do we technically know what modules are? Not really, no. So, yeah, we have a little bit of work to do, some foundation laying, some rather critical foundation laying. Um, and so that's basically what this entire installment is about. It's just to explain modules in JavaScript and do a few examples to play with them a little bit, and then we will be able to use them for real. All right. Uh, so as a general rule, we've taken the approach in this series to skip over old icky tech and jump straight to the right way to do things. So we have we skipped over HTML4 and XHTML1 and we went straight to HTML5. We did sort of mention the existence of the others because they explain weird things like the fact that when you're making an HR tag, you can or can't, depending on how you're feeling, put a slash on the end. Uh, and the reason is so that people who used to write XHTML can still write HTML5 without getting all cranky. And also because of history, uh, when you do something like option selected, you can either say option selected or option selected equals selected or option selected equals true. And that's purely because of baggage, right? That's what history does. So on the one hand, the reason I haven't talked with JavaScript modules up to now is because, frankly, the history was not only messy, but in progress. It hadn't resolved itself to a final answer. So when we were doing our first look at JavaScript, I would have loved to do modules, but at that point in time, there was no official way yet, at least not one that was widely supported enough to be useful. And what there was instead was this sea of competing standards. And I use the word standard really loosely because if it's not an official standard, well, it's not a standard, right? So I didn't want to go down that messy rabbit hole But now, you know, time has passed. It's been a couple of years since ES6 came out, which is when modules came along officially. And so now they are supported in all the major browsers. They're supported by Node.js. So we're now ready. So are we 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 just getting really lucky that these things finish or, you know, get get finalized or get in a much better state by the time we get there? Or maybe if it was two years from now, we'd be going, wow, that really sucked in 2021. But... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you could argue we're unlucky because we weren't able to do it first time around. Yeah. But, you know, we're lucky they're here now because otherwise it would be less pleasant to have to redo XKC, XK past WD without modules. Right. Um, and again, for very similar reasons to the HTML5 thing, I'm going to mention the history, not in great detail, not in any technical detail, but the history has had an effect on the final outcome because... Because ECMA were late to the party, they couldn't reinvent the wheel from scratch. 
they had to make their solution be a superset of all the best things in all the competing standards. And they couldn't be any worse. They couldn't have any of the pain points of any of the standards, and they had to be at least as good as every feature in every one of the standards, which is really difficult, right? When you have to be at least as good as everyone else and fix all of their problems. And that has resulted in some quirks. So so I I think this will also be useful for people who have learned some of the other ways as these standards have been finally converging. I'm in the enviable position of knowing nothing. So I have none of the baggage to worry about. But for people who who are not new to this development environment, this will be great. Yeah, because there are some differences you need to be aware of and they may bite you on the bottom. So uh, (laughs) definitely something to watch out for. So the problem to be solved, right, is code reuse, plain and simple. We want to be able to reuse code from elsewhere without any sort of spooky action at a distance, as Einstein might have put it. And ultimately, this boils down to the problem of managing the global namespace. So if I write code that messes with something in the global space and I give it to someone else to use, if they have used the same variable names as me, we have ourselves a problem. Our code is going to clash. My code is going to change variables behind their back because we're both in the global namespace and we're both changing the same variables by pure accident, right? Yeah. So this obviously would have, A, it would result in really weird bugs and it would be really quite annoying. And a really good example of how problematic this is is that without some sort of way of managing modules, the global namespace is sort of a battleground. So you can only jQuery can get away with using dollar as a variable name because jQuery is so common that anyone else who tries to use dollar is going to get squashed by jQuery on so many websites. Okay. And you have to choose between underscore and lodash because they both export, they both use underscore as their variable name, the character underscore. Uh, and lodash is actually a competitor to underscore. So you can't pick and choose. I'll have some functionality from one and some from the other because they're both trying to jump onto the global namespace as underscore. So they fight with each other. So what we want is to be able to use other people's code without side effects and in such a way that it does that we could use underscore and lodash at the same time without them fighting with each other. Then Then we have ourselves a panacea. And thankfully, that is exactly where we get to. Okay. That is what ES6 modules give us. So this is obviously a problem for developers. And I always joke that the reason you want to become a developer so you can scratch your own itch. Well, if this is so bloody annoying, then clearly lots and lots of people will have been scratching this itch, which is why we have lots of different solutions. And we have actually seen a sort of kind of solution very, very early in this series, way back in installment 24. I know you thought it was 83, but I went back. It was actually 24. Oh, there's an earlier one. Okay, well, I'll, I'll fix that. <laughs> okay. No, I've already fixed it. That was that was the uh, that was the merging change I had to do in Git. My terribly difficult merge conflicts. Don't worry. Um, so functions have their own scope. Right. If you make a function and you define a variable inside the function, that variable only exists inside the function. So that is a way of hiding variables. And so if you make a self-executing anonymous function, you can hide variables in there. And that's a technique called IIFE for immediately invoked function expressions. And it's basically a form of hackery that gets us closer to where we want to be because we're only putting into the global namespace one or two things we absolutely need to, and all the rest is 
hidden inside this self-executing function, but it doesn't solve the underscore lodash problem. Because even though they're only putting one thing in the global scope, that one thing is still having a conflict. So IIFEs are better, but they're not actually a solution. So the first attempt to scratch this itch resulted in two winners, not one. Right? Wait, Which so two standards, great. Two standards, <laughs> in inverted commas. And I use the term very loosely. And the reason there are two standards is because there are really two communities of JavaScript developers. You have a community of people who work in the browser who do client-side stuff, and you have a community of people who work on the server who use JavaScript on the server side who are basically mostly the Node.js users. And both of those communities attacked the problem for their own distinct itches, and they both came up with different scratches. Hmm. So over in the browser, we came up with an open source project called RequireJS, which still exists. It's at requirejs.org. And they created a specification they call async module definition, or AMD. And then over on the server side, uh, one of the engineers at uh, Netscape, actually, or Mozilla, came up with something called CommonJS, and that was adopted by the Node.js project. And when Node.js rode in behind CommonJS, well, Node.js is such a juggernaut, that was going to be the one that wins. So for stuff that only works in one of those two places, this wasn't a problem, right? The JavaScript module proper popper.js for doing popovers in the browser is irrelevant to server-side developers. It's in the browser. And the module fs-extra, which gives Node.js more power to mess around with your file system, that only applies on the server side. So so what if popper.js is an AMD and fs-extra is a common JS? No harm. But then you come across stuff like moment.js. If I'm on the server and I want to mess with dates, I still want moment.js. Oh, if right. I'm in the browser and I want dates, same thing. So to scratch this new itch, <laughs> someone thought they should make a standard to unify the standards, which they very aggrandizingly called universal module definition or UMD. And it's basically a wrapper that sort of in a bit like particle physics, where an electron sometimes behaves like a particle and sometimes like a wave, a UMD module pretends to be both common JS and AMD. So if you treat it like AMD, it'll behave like AMD. And if you treat it like CommonJS, it'll behave like CommonJS. Okay, it's another wrapper, right? Mm -hmm. it, it just makes your code longer and longer and longer and longer and messier and messier and more and more dependencies. But thank goodness we finally got the proverbial white smoke. There is now an official standard. The people at ECMA finally defined one in ECMA 6 way back in 2015. Hang on, the hang on. What do, you mean by, the... what do you mean by white smoke? So this is, I thought this was really common everywhere, but in Catholic countries, because uh, this exists in Flemish as well as in English, actually, uh, whenever they elect a pope, all the cardinals go in a secret room and they have this big argument with each other that we're not allowed to know about. And they don't tell us, yeah, we got a pope or no, we didn't. They burn the ballots and they add some chemicals to make the smoke black if they didn't succeed and white if they succeeded. So whenever a pope dies, everyone is waiting for the white smoke. It means there's a bunch of people in a committee okay. trying to come to an agreement. And okay, when they so, finally agree on something, the white smoke. So what do you mean about white smoke in this context then? We finally have an agreement on what a JavaScript module should be. The committee okay. that 
the committee that defined the official JavaScript, ECMA, they finally managed to get together as a committee and have lots and lots of paperwork. And they came out with a standard for modules that is official. Uh, I believe it's actually called Harmony, but everyone just calls them ES modules because they came out in ES6. Okay. So big picture wise, the philosophy is quite straightforward. So a module is a completely independent scope. And that module chooses to publish a list of variables, functions, or classes, which other modules can choose to bring into their scope. So you offer out a bunch of things and other JavaScript code chooses to use them or not. Um, the modules are referenced by effectively URLs, but they're called module specifiers. And they export functionality which other code imports. So modules have specifiers that just give them a name, basically. They declare exports, and those exports can be imported. And not only do modules not mess up the global namespace, they don't even have access to it. So in module land, you're in your own scope, and the only thing you have is stuff you import. So the global namespace is completely out of reach of modules, so they can't possibly mess it up. So with this approach, we can have both underscore and lodash because they both choose to publish their code with the name underscore. But at the point in time when you use it, when you import their functionality into your scope, you can rename on import. And so you can literally say import underscore as uscore and import underscore as lodi. And then you can have underscore as uscore and lodash as lodi, and they can exist in the same file at the same time. No problemo. Problem solved. Oh, that sounds, that sounds slightly better than all this other nonsense. Exactly. So the global, namescope, the global namespace isn't even available, so they can't break it. And you can rename on import, so there is no such thing as a name collision. The name offered and the name imported can change, and you just map them together using the as keyword. So import what they called X as what I will call Y. Oh, perfect. Perfect, exactly. Now, this simplicity of concept sits on top of a really complicated implementation because it's not easy to do something that looks so simple. It's do we actually have to worry our pretty little heads about the complex implementation? We do slightly because it has some side effects. Okay. So. I'm not going to go into the detail in any great depth, but I am going to explain the fact that it's a three-step process because that three-step process makes certain things possible and impossible. And it means that import behaves differently to CommonJS. So if you've been a Node developer for years, switching from require, which is Node's way of doing CommonJS, and to import, which is Node's way of doing ES6 modules. So Node can do both, its old way and the new way. And you can switch. You can choose when you're writing Node.js code which you want to use. If you switch to import, there, there are some changes in behavior. And okay. you need to be aware of that because otherwise, stuff that used to work will now not work, and you'll be very, very confused. But it's not difficult, but it is important. So when... When you use ES6 modules, it's actually a three-step process. So there's construction, 
instantiation and evaluation. So construct, instantiate, evaluate. Uh, so the first thing is construction. So when you're executing some JavaScript code, there's going to be a first module, an entry point into module land. And it's going to be in the form of a script tag if it is in browser land, or it's going to be in the form of the main specific the main file specified in package.json when you're in Node.js land. Okay. So when we, when we did our example last time, we uh, we said main, and then we said it was going to be some file.mjs. Can't remember what file name we used. So there's going to be an entry point, and during construction. The JavaScript engine, whether that be Node.js or the browser, they start at the entry point and they go find the module specified as the entry point. And they read that module looking for other import statements. And then they follow that import statement and they go fetch all those modules. And then they follow all those import statements and they go fetch all those modules. And they follow it all the way down the rabbit hole until there are no more import statements. It's, so it's import statements all the way down. Import statements all the way down. <laughs> so uh, to be clear, you said that the uh, import statements would be in that script tag or in that package.json? Yeah, so inside package.json, you will say what the main file is, and that main file will import stuff. Oh, okay. And in an HTML okay. file, you will okay. specify a JavaScript file in the script tag, and that JavaScript file will contain import statements. Got you, got you. Okay. And, and each, each module is responsible for what it needs to import. Exactly. So you don't have so to list keep... all of the imports all the way down. You just need to do the top level ones and then they t describe everything below them. Exactly. Yes, okay. exactly. Which is a very important feature here. You only, you only have to say what you care about and everyone's responsible for what they care about. So it just works. Okay. It, it sounds a little bit like in electronics, you have uh, IO diagrams. So I expect these inputs and I expect these outputs and that way they can Ooh. plug into each other. That's very much, that is exactly what it's like, Alison. You you use import statements to specify what you need. And if you're writing a module, you use export statements to specify what you offer. Oh, okay. Okay. And then during the construction phase, you're basically figuring out everyone's needs. And the JavaScript engine is smart about it during the construction phase. So if I need Moment.js and another module I need also needs Moment.js, it doesn't fetch it twice. So as it's fetching, it keeps a little table. It's building up a table of every module that's needed by someone. And it fills in whether or not it's got it or not. And if it does get it, it also fills in some metadata. It, it basically creates a little record saying, ah, yeah, Moment.js, I know about that one. And it'll actually store what Moment.js needs in that same record. So it's building up a tree of the structure here as it goes. And it stops duplication because oh, I already know about Moment, I won't do that one again. And that's how it can resolve the stuff efficiently without repeating itself. And that tree, so the output of the first phase is basically this table of all the modules and some metadata about those modules. Step two then is it takes the output of step one to build what's called a dependency tree. So in your mind, imagine your code, your entry point as the root of the tree. And you say what you want. And then everything you want says what it wants. And everything there says what it wants. And you get this branching tree-like structure. And eventually, you end up to the point where no one wants anything. And those nodes are at the edge of the tree. And so we can imagine those as leaves. So you're going from what you need, from what you say you need, up to everyone's happy, which are the leaf nodes or the leaf modules. 
and they're in a tree showing all the connections. So that's our dependency tree. And at each point in these connections, there are exports and imports, basically stuff I need and stuff I want. And what Node, what sorry, what every JavaScript engine that does ES6 modules, be it your browser or Node, does, is it creates placeholders in memory for each each mapping, each connection between modules. And it just makes a placeholder in memory and it just connects the dots. And if five different modules require the same export, one copy is kept in memory and there are five lines connecting to that one copy. Which is really important because it means that a module is free to change a variable value and everyone will see that change because it's not copies. It's all referencing the one copy of the module. So a module exists once. It's like, it's a unitary, uh, the actual term is a singleton in computer science speak, but it exists exactly once. So the final phase then is to actually execute the code in the modules to fill in those placeholders. So the, sorry, you're on mute, Alison. I see you talking. Well, that's good. Um, so we have uh, we haven't executed any JavaScript code at, at this point. Correct. So we've been analyzing the code to figure out what we have. Then we've analyzed the code more carefully to play all of our placeholders in memory. And now we're going to run the code, which is going to fill in all those placeholders. Okay. And the order we run the code in is really important because when we get to our original code, we want everything to be ready for us. Mm -hmm. So we don't start by executing our code. We start at the leaves, or what is in computer science speak, a depth-first post-order execution. How do you know where, so, what the leaves are if all you be, have at the top level is the is the root, the first export? Right, but remember, step. In, step in step two, we built the dependency tree. So okay, our so JavaScript the tree exists. Engine, exactly. Our JavaScript engine has worked it all out. Okay, so it knows so about all the leaves? Engine, exactly. And oh, okay. it just starts at the leaves, executes those, and they fill in bits of memory, and then the next one, the next layer up gets to run and it fills in more. And finally, when it gets to your code, all of memory is full, right? Everyone has run and filled in all the little pieces and everything you need is just waiting for you. Full as in everything you need, not full, full. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. So sorry, complete, there you entered. Go. Okay. I'm thinking of it like a form you fill in rather than like a glass you fill up. Yeah, okay. And that's how it works. Now, this is different to how CommonJS works. CommonJS doesn't have a three-step process. CommonJS starts with your code, and when you hit the word require, it then goes and re finds and reads the module right at that point in time. And then it runs that module immediately, and any more require statements, it follows them right in that point in time. So it's doing it immediately, and it's executing stuff in the order from you down which means you cannot have a loop in your dependency tree. So CommonJS does not support looping dependency trees, but ES6 modules have no such problem because the loop will exist somewhere above a leaf because you can't be a leaf if you have a loop because you depend okay. on something else. Okay, so those loops can be in there as long as they're those not at the leaf. Those loops can be in there oh. and everything will have been filled in already so the loops don't matter. Okay. All right. It's gone off all through its loops. 
Yeah, and it won't do anything wrong with it because remember, you started at the leaf. So everything the loop needs when it comes to itself is already ready. So it, it works. Like there's a fantastic blog post on Mozilla that explains how in great detail using little pretty cartoons. It's linked at the top of the show notes. It's amazing. That's that's how I understand this properly. Um, <laughs> so anyone who wants the deep down nerdy detail of exactly how this contrasts can look at it. But the bottom line from a developer's point of view I know from bitter experience that CommonJS can't handle loops because it's caused me to do all sorts of annoying workarounds in my actual code and work. This just evaporates with ES6. ES modules can have loops, pad a problem, it'll just work. So that is the biggest difference between the two. Okay. Now, there is a downside. It's always swings and roundabouts, it's always trade-offs. In CommonJS, you can decide halfway through executing your code, what module to load. So you can use a variable to specify the name of a module. You can't do that if you don't run any code until the very end. You have to specify all your modules up front. So the downside is you don't have dynamic modules. The upside is you can have loops. And the good news is that the downside is being fixed through a process which uses promises that allows you to load a module later called dynamic loading. And so you can basically at any future point start the process again with a promise that will tell you when it's done. Um, but that's not fully rolled out in browsers yet, so I'm not quite including that in our show notes, but okay. it is on the way. Okay. So the, the one downside is going away too. So the bottom line, our key takeaways are every module has an identifier, a module specifier. But unfortunately, the standard doesn't say what those specifiers have to be. That's left up to the JavaScript engine, which is a slight wrinkle, which we'll get to in a moment. Okay. Every module has to declare what its imports and its exports are. Every module is executed exactly once. There is one single copy of every module that is referenced by everyone who needs it. You can have loops in your dependency tree, and you can't load dynamically for now. Okay. So okay. How do we, oh yeah, there is, so when it comes to the, the practicalities of writing modules, we need to be aware that every module is considered to be in strict mode. Now, I have only ever taught you strict mode JavaScript because that's good JavaScript. Browsers were very forgiving of really, really bad programming history. And so you could get away without saying let and const and var and all those kind of things. But I've never taught you that because that's just bad practice. So we've always been writing in strict mode. So for us, the fact that modules require strict mode is a complete non-issue. Node.js has always required strict mode. So for Node.js developers, strict mode is a non-issue. But for someone who's only ever programmed in the browser and who's been doing it for decades, you may find that modules force you to give up some bad habits. So you this, may have- It's gonna be a little bit of a scratchy sweater for you, huh? briefly, but your code will be better for it because strict Just mode exists Just wash it a few times and you'll be fine. Yes. Now, the other thing we've already mentioned is that ES6 modules cannot access the global scope at all. So everything has to be a const or a let because there is no such thing as global when you're inside a module. Mm. And the import and the export statements must appear at the top level of your module code, which means, what that means is they can't be inside a function. They have to be somewhere in the file, not in a function or in a class. They have to be just, you know, imagine you're tabbing every time you go inside something, they have mm -hmm. to be not tabbed. That feels like global 
global scope within a module. Yes, that is exactly what <laughs> not, it is. Not real global scope, like lowercase global scope. Module scope is actually what Module scope. Oh, that, that makes more sense. Okay. And the reason for that is so that in step two, it can figure out what it's supposed to be doing without having to run every function. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't run want that. Run functions okay. to problems, right? So the reason is because it's static code analysis, they have to be at the top level. That makes sense. It does make sense. Um, so the... Okay, so the import statements will be at the top level. Um, yeah, so we use the export keyword to export what we want, and we use the import keyword to import what we want. Um, da, 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 da. Bart has extensive show notes here, so he's catch, catching up with his uh, lecture series. My own notes. So when you're exporting and importing, you basically you give it a name on the way out, and you you use that name on the way in. Um, but you can change the mappings of them. And the syntax for exporting and importing can be more or less complicated. Basically, there is a syntax for exporting, but there's lots of shortcuts because normally you export it with the same name you were using already. So normally if you call something my class, you'll export it as my class. You won't rename it on export, but you can. So you could have some snotty internal name like stupid thing customer wants and export it as shiny thing. Right? <laughs> okay. Or if you're the kind of person who loves really short variable names, then you can export it. You can use stupid short variable names and export them with sensible names. I don't advise that because then you're going to get lost in your own code, but there are people who do such things. So anyway, We'll start by looking at the full export syntax, and then we'll look at some simplifications. So, so let me let me ask a question in here. When you start talking about having classes and things, are you going to have a whole bunch of export statements? Anything that would be in the global scope? Okay, a module can choose to export as many things as it wants. For backwards compatibility reasons, most modules export one thing because the old systems could only do one thing. Well, how do you decide what needs to be global? Well, you export. So in the case of Moment.js, you export Moment. In the case of jQuery, you export dollar. Right? Generally speaking, these things are a single thing. But when you're writing your own code, you might want to take four classes that relate to the same thing and export all four of them. And since it's your code being used by your code, the fact that it's not compatible with CommonJS doesn't matter a darn. So you just give as many exports as you want. So you can export five, you can export one thing or a thousand things, your choice. Hmm. Okay. I guess I don't, I, it, we haven't gone through it yet, so I don't know how I would decide what needs to be exported. So I well, will keep listening. A, mo a module is designed to solve a problem, right? A module is a piece of code that makes sense together. So what you export is defined by what it is you're trying to represent. So you might have a module to represent a clock. Well, then it would export whatever's needed to make a clock. Okay, but not the whole page of everything that clock does. Only the bits that are basically needed by others, right? So you would have all sorts of internal logic for all the minutia that no one else has to care about because you've very kindly done all the hard work. Uh -huh. And you're giving the public the ability to use your code in a simple way, which means you might just export three functions or maybe you export one class. Okay, okay. Right. So basically what you're exporting is the bit other people use. And inside the module, you do whatever you like. 
Okay. I guess I got to get a feel for what a module is, like how big it is and what it can do, but we'll get into that, I'm sure. Well, we'll get into that in as much as it's a bit like the question, well, how long is a function? Or what should I make into a function and what should I not make into a function? It's exactly the same type of problem. Judgment. My father used to say, how big is a lump of coal? How long is a string? How long is a piece of string? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a philosophical question, right? When you're designing your module, it will have a job to do, and that job to do will inform your specific thing. Okay. And when you're writing code, you have to decide, how many pieces do I break this up into? Do I make one giant big module with lots of exports, or do I break it up into five little modules? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So you, the developer, have a lot of power, therefore a lot of work to do. I reserve the right, the right to be confused on this again later and ask the same question. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is philosophy of programming rather okay. than Strict hard and fast. Rules. Okay. Yeah. So syntax, though, is nice and hard and fast. So let's look at the export syntax, and then we'll figure out what we want to do. So we can export a single thing and change its name using export, open curly bracket, the name inside the module as the name outside the module. So in my example, some local name as some public name. So okay. it's export brackets, the name for the the name I have as the name for the world. So this is you the export uh, stupid function customer wants as shiny thing. Yes. Okay. And you don't have to just export one. You can use a comma to export multiple. So you can say export local name one as public name one, comma local name two as public name two, have at it. You could also just have two export statements, one under the other, if you don't like the longer syntax. Now, 99% of the time, you're exporting with the same name you're using anyway. So you can leave out the as and just, in the curly brackets, put the name. So you can just say export, open curly brackets, something. Okay. Which is much easier. And you can also have multiple exports that way. So export something, comma, something else, comma, another thing. Um, oh, wait, I need to make a big announcement before you read your next example. We are officially, since we're in phase two, we are officially retiring boogers and snot as my way of saying, can I name it anything? And we are replacing that with waffles and pancakes because that sounds like fun. I mean, it's a new phase. And as a Belgian, I am quite partial to both waffles and pancakes. I know Belgium is famous for its Brussels waffles, oh, but yeah. the Belgians make darn good pancakes too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I just want to make that official announcement because we didn't announce it in the in the beginning of phase two. That's a good point. And I will I will give you a bonus tip if you if you would like to put on weight. It is possible to do the equivalent of an Alaska uh, an Alaska cake, a baked Alaska with a pancake. You can wrap ice cream in a pancake. <laughs> and you can get that in Belgium. They will sell it to you. It is bloody delicious. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely delicious ice cream wrapped in a pancake with some chocolate sauce over the top. Just, just cause. <laughs> okay, now I'm hungry. Anyway, so you can, right. So in our previous examples, we would have had to define some local name, right? We would have had, you know, function, some local name, blah, blah, blah. And then we export it after we define it. But you can actually define an export all in one go because it's just easier. So you can say export, let some variable equal pancakes are yum. And that will create some variable, give it the value pancakes are yum, and export it as some variable all in one go. Well, so if some variable doesn't exist in your code, then what are you actually exporting? You aren't exporting anything. You're making and exporting all at once. So you're making it and saying you want to export it all at the same time. 
and then you're using it down inside your code. And then later on in your code, you're using it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, you can also do that to the. You can also do the uh, with the function, right? So that's our next example: export function sum function and just define the function. So you're defining the function and exporting it all in one go, hmm. which is okay. useful. And you can do the same with a class, right? A lot of modules are just one single class wrapped in a module. So you say export class sum class, and then you just write your class constructor get whatever. That should say nice food, not nice foot. Fixing that is a typo. Ah. Uh, it returns pancakes, of course, because pancakes are nice food. <laughs> um, so because of the history, it's quite normal to only export one thing, right? That's the way common JS and uh, AMD and stuff work. They, they had a single export. So ES6 modules accommodate this with the concept of a default export. So you can say, this is what I do if you don't know what you want. If you don't ask me for a specific thing, I will give you this. So that's the default export. So you can export something as default explicitly the long way by saying export open curly bracket some local thing as default. So default is your magic word there that says export it as default. But you just said it uh, would be default if you didn't do that. No, 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 no. When you're right, when you're consuming the module, it will be the default. When you're writing the module, you have to explicitly set a default or not have one, and they're so, not compulsory. I'm, I'm not sure I understand what default is then. Default is from the point of view of the user of your module. So if you publish a module and you set a default, then it that module can be used without the person using it knowing the names of your exports. They just know that they can import your module and take one thing for free. Hmm. I don't understand why you'd have that. Uh, because most modules export one thing, and most most of the time you don't you don't want to go have to look up the doc. Like you don't need to go look up the documentation when you want to use jQuery for what does jQuery call its export? You say jQuery is going to give me one thing. I don't care what jQuery called it. Just give me the one thing. Yeah. Okay. 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 And MomentJS is the same. Okay, so if you're going to do one thing, you might as well export it as a default. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah, okay. it just makes life easier for everyone. No one has to care what you called it. It's just the thing. I do okay. a thing. Here. So I'm only so going to export waffles as default in everything I write. <laughs> Which you can do, right? Because it doesn't matter what you called it internally. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's called pancakes internally, obviously. <laughs> but externally, I'm going to go with waffles. Well, no, because you're going to go with default. Oh, sorry, default. default. It's default. It's not <sighs> waffles. Okay. You can export the same thing twice, though. So you can export it as waffles and as default. <laughs> Perfectly good. fine. Good to know. You can do the same thing twice. Uh, you can also have a multiple export and a default. So you can say local thing one as default, comma local thing two as public thing. So you can mix and match. Okay. And you can also do a default single step export. So you can say export default let some var equals I like cake. At this point in time, you have a long way to go before you get to that becomes equal to sign. But export default let some anyway <laughs> but you can do it you can also export default function some you know then define your function export default class and then make your class it is kind of sensible but it does get ever more wordy mm -hmm. but there you go there's your syntax for exporting importing then so we're swapping hats right we throw away the i am writing a module hat and we are now a user of someone else's code so we're now a user of moment or a user of jquery or whatever right so new hat we're importing so 
again, we're going to build up the syntax. The syntax, again, has lots of shortcuts, but we're going to start with the most explicit, least shortcutty version of the syntax. And that, again, is this concept of using named. We're going to import our exports as named exports. And the syntax for doing defaults is different. So we're going to start with named, and then we're going to look at the syntax for defaults in a moment. So for now, there's no such thing as a default. Everything is by name. So to import something by name and change it to what you want, the syntax is import open curly. And I'm really going to stress the curly bracket. So open curly bracket, their name for it as my name for it, close the curly from the module specifier. And we'll talk about module specifiers in more detail later. Okay. So you're saying import curly bracket, their name as my name from wherever. Okay, and that specifier is the thing you talked about up front is this is where the the uh, the, the code export is. will be. Yeah, the, the, well, it's basically where is this module, right? Yeah. I'm getting this functionality from someone else's code. Oh, where is from. someone else's okay. code? Okay. Uh, you can also use the comma again to get two, two name things at once. So you can say their name one as my name one, comma their name two as my name two. And you can take mm -hmm. in two, three, whatever. Um. More often than not, the, the named export will have a sensible name. So you don't really want to rename it. And so if you use the above syntax, you'd end up with really stupid import statements that say import something as something from some module. <laughs> so import moment as moment from moment would be a, a, a classic example, right? It's just messy. So you can leave out the as part if you're going to use the same name on both ends. So you can just say import open curly something from and then the module specifier. Okay. So that again, nice and simple. And you can mix and match. So you can say import open curly thing one comma, their thing two as my thing two. So you take one of their name and one with your own name. You can mix and match, no problem. Okay. So then we come to defaults. And when you want to import a default, the most important thing is that you have to give it a name because it doesn't have one, it's the default export. So you have to specify the name at the point you bring it in. All right. So that means that the first thing after the word import is always going to be a name of your choosing. Now, 99% of the time, it's going to be the name of the module. If I want moment.js, I'm going to call it moment. I'm not going to call it pancakes because then I'm going to get very confused when I say pancakes.now. Although pancakes.now <laughs> does sound like fun. Exactly. Or I don't see the conflict here, Bart. I would like some pancakes now. But, you know, 99% of the time, you're going to call it the name of the module. So you omit the curly brackets, which is really important. The absence of curly brackets tells the JavaScript engine, be it the browser or node, I am not doing a named import. No curly brackets means not named. That's so, so weird, though, because what, what you've written here is import my name from blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that's not it, what your like, brain thinks. But that's not where it is. That's not the name. That's my name. Yeah. Yes, exactly. This is a very confusing part of this syntax, which is why I've highlighted with such a very obvious name. You are choosing the name that goes after the word import, and then you're saying where it comes from. And what you get is the default export. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's, it's obviously the easiest way to say it and write it, but your, your brain kind of goes, well, wait a minute, but my name wasn't in there. How did it know? But that's because exactly. it's looking at the default. Okay. It is confusing syntax, but very short. 
Okay. So once you accept the weirdness of it, what you end up with is really short code at the top of your stuff. And remember, 99% of the time, the name you use is going to be the name of the module. So it's going to be import node from node. Sorry, import moment from moment. Right, right. Um, so you can also be really explicit about default. So you can actually use the named import syntax for doing an a default import by saying import open curly default as my name close curly from the module right so if, if you confuse yourself then go ahead and write it that way yes actually to be honest yes that is a very good point if, if you find the shorter syntax really weird then if you do it explicitly there can be no doubt right that's really clear import default as my name from that that is very clear syntax i'm glad that's there I, I might just do that yeah I make two, actually. I might do that as a text expander snippet. Um, <laughs> there, There is also a special kind of import that I sort of think of as being like the ultimate of default imports, which is give me everything. I have no idea what you called it. Just give it all to me. And you do that by importing it into a plain object, a dictionary, basically. And the keys in the dictionary will be all the names they gave it while exporting including default if they gave a default. And you do that with the special character star as what it is you want to import. So you say without curly brackets, right? We're not in named import land. We're in default of a kind land. So import space star space as my name from the module. So my name might end up having one thing in it or 10 things in it. Correct. It will be a dictionary, which mm. will have one or more keys, which will be whatever the names were. I feel like that should have to have like an underscore in front of it or something to tell you it's a dictionary. Yeah, there we go. That's JavaScript doesn't, you know, you'd, you'd be a good Perl because in Perl, all dictionaries have to begin with a percent sign. Yeah, that, anyway. it seems like it would tell you something, but okay. Yeah, so you have to understand the syntax. Otherwise, it's very confusing. But anyway, yeah. import star as my name from module. So even if so, it has one thing, it's still a dictionary. Yes. Okay. A dictionary. Yeah, I mean, it's the world's boring as dictionary but you know uh you know when you start writing a dictionary you start with the first entry <laughs> um so i want to underscore if you'll excuse the pun in the callback curly braces curly braces curly braces pay attention to the curly braces if they're there you're in named import land if they're not there you're in default or everything land which uh, to me everything is a kind of a default right you're not specifying names okay. so you're not in named import land now, those specifiers. So the specification leaves the specifiers up to the JavaScript engine. So Node.js is under no obligation to do things the same way as the browsers who are under no obligation to do things the same way as anything else. Wait, what's a specifier? The bit that comes after from. Oh, okay. Okay, the, the name of the module? Or the, the way you specify the module, right? We use name in a very colloquial sense. Okay. But the specifier is like how I describe a module to the JavaScript engine, how I say what I want. It's not its its location with its file name? It can, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. Oof, oof. Uh, in the browser, it's much more straightforward. In the browser, it's always a URL, okay. either an absolute URL that starts with HTTP colon slash slash or HTTPS colon slash slash, or a relative URL, and it has to start with dot slash dot dot slash or slash right the browser is not happy with a what's called a bare specifier so a bare specifier is just a word like moment 
That's a bare specifier. Okay. They're not the, the browser has no truck with that kind of thing. Okay. But, uh, Node.js absolutely positively does. We'll get to that in a moment. So relative paths or relative URLs work everywhere. And so both in Node.js and in the browser, you can say dot slash some file dot JS or dot slash some other, you know, dot dot slash some other folder slash some file dot MJS, right? They'll work fine. It's the path to the file relative to me works fine. Uh, in the browser, then, you can have a full URL with HTTP colon slash slash or whatever. Node.js cannot deal with web URLs, and it defaults to the file system, and the browser cannot load a module from the file system. So that means that when we come to using modules in the browser, we're going to have to start using MAMP because we need a web server. The browser will not open a module from file colon slash slash for security reasons. Right. I, I thought where you were going to go with this was always use relative paths and that way you don't have to deal with this. But you didn't no, go there. We're going somewhere else. We're landing somewhere very, very, very different. But don't we're not quite ready to touch the ground just yet. Okay. I got a, one more piece of flack up in the air before we have to do our dodgy <laughs> landing. And it is a dodgy landing. Okay. So the last piece of the puzzle here is bare specifiers. And in Node.js land, bare specifiers are the norm. Everything you install from NPM, you specify with a bare specifier. So if you say NPM space install space moment, you access the package by saying from moment. Right, the name you use for npm install is the name that goes into the import statement, which makes really perfect sense in Node land. Right, but it means that you can't take your Node code and run it in the browser. But maybe that's okay. Maybe that's acceptable. Finally, finally, I, I was I lied. There were two pieces of flash. <laughs> for security reasons, a module can only be loaded from a URL that is handed back with a MIME type that is a valid JavaScript MIME type, which means text slash JavaScript or application slash JavaScript. So if you have a .js file sitting on the web server, every web server I have ever met knows that it should return that with a MIME type of text slash JavaScript, just like every web server knows that HTML comes back as text slash HTML and a JPEG as text slash JPG. MJS, on the other hand, is not supported by default by a lot of servers. MAMP, I just tested, MAMP 6 does not know what to do with an MJS file. Why does this matter? Because Node.js treats .js files as CommonJS and MJS as ES6. So for our code to work in the browser, we have to end it in .js. And for our code to work in Node, we have to end it in .mjs. So at this stage, it should be pretty darn clear that there is no common path. There is no one thing that works everywhere. So just do the right thing in the right place. When you're writing for the browser, do things the browser way and don't stress. And when you're writing for Node, do things the Node way and don't stress. But I hear you say, XKPassWD has to work in both. How? So remember, I've told you we need a bundler. We need either Rollup or Webpack. Vaguely. That's its job. 
Yeah, I, I, I was very vague about them because I couldn't explain why until right now this second. Okay. The why is that the bundler is responsible for translating Node.js style stuff into browser compatible stuff. So you just simply say npm run bundle and it does all the work and spits out a file that is perfectly ready for the browser. Okay, so we would put it as mjs and then it would turn around and turn it into .js. Correct. And we do our imports using bare specifiers and it will figure all the rest out and do it all for us. Okay. I so expect you will have to tell me this again later. Yes. Because it, we have to learn about Rollup and Webpack. Right. Or okay. sorry, or Webpack, whichever I pick, probably Webpack. Okay. So for now, the takeaway is don't stress about being cross-domain. When you're in Node, just write Node code. Don't worry about the browser. And just know that in the near future, we will have a solution to translate. Okay. All right. So we won't have to do it. It'll be done for us. So no itch to scratch. Or rather, an itch that's been so common, it was well scratched by Rollup and Webpack. They came about because this is a problem. Okay. Right. So that's, that's, way, that's way too much talking. I want to see some code running. So let's do some examples. You will find three whole examples sitting in the zip file for this installment. Okay. Very carefully named PBS128A, B, and C, even though my show notes say it's called A, A, and C. Yeah. It's that. I'm fixing it. Well, it doesn't matter. We both fix it. It won't cause a problem. Okay. Um, Git is great. So we are going to be using NPM modules, and we're going to be running this in Node.js, which means we're going to be using bare specifiers, and we're going to be naming our files as .mjs, because we're in Node land. Okay, so just accept that. It's fine. We also need to do a little bit of a preamble. So when you open each of those three folders, you're going to find that each of them is a Node.js project, i.e. it's a folder containing some code and a file called package.json and package-lock.json. What it doesn't contain is node underscore modules because I haven't made a copy of moment.js and wedged it in there. My package.json simply says that I want node uh, moment.js. So you need to install moment.js yourself before running this code. Uh, and that's oh. completely right. When you're doing something in node.js, you don't give everyone your dependencies. You just specify them and know that the person using your collaborating with you, realistically, you're going to be doing a git pull or whatever. They're going to they're going to do it themselves. They're going to install the dependencies themselves. Does that make sense? It does. I'm I'm panicking because that means I was supposed to already have this ready and I and have these things loaded and I don't. Don't worry about it. I have more talking to do before you before we need you. Okay. okay. So, um, if you try to run. You, I mean, you can you can do the first bit right now. So if you try to run main.mjs without having installed the modules, you will just get a giant big barfy error from Node.js going error or err underscore module underscore not underscore found. Well, yeah. I don't get that. I get environment node no such file or directory because I haven't installed node on this computer yet. Ah! Oh, well, it's quite a quick installer. I say I have some more talking to do. Uh... So you might be tempted to install the dependencies using the very obviously named command npm space install with no arguments. 
So when we wanted to install a dependency for the first time, we said npm install minus minus save moment. Well, npm space install will install every package that's specified in package.json, but it will do so not in the way you might expect. So inside package.json, it will say something like moment and then hat symbol, carrot symbol, 2.2.0 or whatever, which means I will accept any version of that package that is above 2.2.0 as long as it's not a major version. So I'll accept 2.3 point whatever and 2.2 point whatever. And the version you get and the version I was using could be completely different. Because when I wrote the code, I may have been using 2.2. And when you get the code, 2.3 might exist or 2.8 might exist. So if you do an NPM install, you're going to get 2.8, whereas I'm using 2.2. So we don't have the same behavior. Not only do we not have the same behavior, the act of doing an NPM install changes package.json. It will rewrite the line to say hat 2.8.0. So what you're actually doing there is an install and upgrade. And then package.lock package will also get updated to reflect what's actually been installed. So if you're working by yourself, this is not a problem. You've updated your own code to the latest version. Great. But if you're checking it out from Git or whatever, or if you're working with someone else, that's not expected behavior because you could be trying to debug a problem in the current version of the code and you don't have the current version anymore because you've just upgraded all the dependencies. So the actual command you want when you're using someone else's code is npmci for clean install. And what CI does is it ignores package.json completely and looks at package-lock, which is a log of everything that was done. And it duplicates the exact environment the author had. So when you do npm space CI, you will have the exact same version of moment as I had when I wrote the show notes. And you have to remember to do that whenever you, so even with moment, you would be npm space CI space moment? No, no, it's just npm CI and it will get everything it needs. Well, wait, how, reading how do you know lock, what, right? no, back up, back up. How do I know what I'm, what I'm installing if I don't say npm space CI space the okay, name so of the you thing? Have, right? You're Sorry? not, so you have, you have a, you have a packet, you, you've just got a project from me, so I already know what's needed. You don't need to know what's needed. What you're trying to do is install everything I, I said was needed. So okay. you're telling it to just duplicate Bart's environment by reading. I, I lost how I'm telling it what your, what your note, your module is, though. Okay, so I've given you a folder that contains my code and the two files, package.json and package-lock.json. Right. Oh, and, I, and I change directory into there and then do this? Correct. So you go into that okay. node project, and then before you can start using my code, you have to get the dependencies. But you okay. don't have to know what they are. You just have to tell node, make this work. Right? It has all the information in package.json and package-lock.json. So all you need to do is tell it to go do its magic, because it's NPM and it rocks. Okay. So ultimately, what matters is that you do npm CI and not npm install. And anyone who does npm install will end up changing package.json 
which is not a problem if you're using your own code, but a few weeks from now, when everyone is working and helping me with um, XKPassWD, if you send me a pull request that changes my package.json behind my back, I will reject your pull request. And the way you avoid accidentally doing that is by saying npmci. So really, my takeaway here is muscle memory should be npmci. Okay. All right. And if you care about why, that's what the previous three paragraphs were. <laughs> so for every one of these three examples, you're going to go into the folder, do an npmci, and then you're good to play. All right. I'm almost cut up to you because I've switched. I'm, I'm For the audience, I'm using the new M1 Pro Max with uh, running Monterey, and I have not yet finished installing everything. And this is how I find out what I haven't installed yet. So I'm actually using two computers now. I flip back to my old one so I can uh, keep up without having a backup. I was going to say that M1 is so fast. I'm sure you can install Node.js in four seconds. Yeah, but you would have to remember the command to do it. That is true. The human part doesn't get any faster. The M1 doesn't upgrade Allison. It only upgrades the Mac. No, because I don't have NPM installed, so I can't. <laughs> <clears throat> Love it. Uh, I'll go do okay, that. so as an example, I just got so much fun last time out of our Sleep Still Christmas, so I'm just going to reuse that example, but we're going to modulify it, if you'll excuse me making up a word. So for our first example, we're going to make a very, very simple module that's going to take the code from last time, wrap it in a function, and export that function as the default export from our little module. Okay. So the first thing to do is to create the module. So the file that contains the module is called s2xmas.mjs. And the content is fully in the show notes because, frankly, it's quite short, but you can open it in your favorite text editor. You will see that the file starts by us saying what we want, right? So the first thing we do is say what we need before we can do our work. So what we need is moment.js. So we just say import moment from moment. And, so and, no the, and the um, specifier is in quotes. The specifier, yes. So the specifier is always a string. But sometimes in browser land, it, the string will be a URL, relative or absolute. And in node land, the string will be a relative URL to a file or the name of a package from NPM. So in this case, we're using the name of a package from NPM. So the string is just moment. Okay. And I want to name it moment. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see this all the time. Import moment from moment. Import blah from blah, right? It's very right. common because the name I want is the name it has, right? No curly brackets. So I am taking the default export from the moment module and naming it moment. That makes sense? Yeah, completely. Excellent. Sorry. I never know what's obvious and what's, you know. <laughs> so the, the way you can tell it's not obvious is, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That's your first hint. <laughs> True. So we now just want to take our code from last time and wrap it in a function. So I literally copied and pasted exactly the same code and I stuck it inside a function called s2xmas. Mm -hmm. And I want to export that function as the default export. So I just wrote the function and then just before the word function, I popped in export space default space and okay. then just wrote the function. So export default function s2xmas and then I just copied and pasted in the code. Simple as that. Okay. So again, I've already highlighted the two key points. We imported based on a bare specifier and we exported as a default. 
and assigned the function at the same time. Did it all in one and function at the same time. So we could have done that as two steps. You could said function S2Xmas, finish the function, and then say export open curly bracket S2Xmas as default, close curly bracket. Same thing, but you know something, it's easier to do it all in one go. Yeah. Say what you want to do. So that's, we've now written a module. So now we need to use our module. So the entry point to find in package.json is main.mjs. So that's the file we're going to execute. And that's the file that has to load our code from our module. So let's have a look at main.mjs, which is even shorter. So we have the shebang line at the top, so it actually runs. And then we have to import our module. We need to get our thing from our module. So because it's a default export, there are no curly brackets. So I'm saying import show sleeps from dot slash s2xmas.mjs. In quotes. In quotes. It's a string. And it can be a single or double quote? It has to be a string. So in JavaScript, you can make a string with single or double quotes. Okay. Well, we'll see what linters say about that, but okay. I think linters prefer single most of the time. Yeah. Okay. I, I just I noticed you ch you changed between the uh, when you did moment and this. That's I just wanted to make sure that didn't yeah, mean I something. Sorry? I copied and pasted moment, and oh. a lot of the internet uses double quotes, whereas I'm a single quote person. <laughs> uh, so... I decided, right, I'm using a default export, so it has no name, so I have to give it a name. And to me, the nicest name was Show Sleeps. Okay. So I, I named it on the way in because I had no choice. So I had to give it a name. I called it Show Sleeps. So import Show Sleeps from my file. And I would just call the function Show Sleeps. That's so, it. So in main.mjs, we do the import and we call the function. We don't just, yeah. just import. If you just import, what you have is the function now exists in our namespace. So you could use and it someplace else. Yeah. Import just means take it into my namespace. Well, now you have it. It's like declaring a variable. Yeah. Okay. Now so you, you don't do have something. to do the, you don't have to call the function in main.mjs. You don't have to, but you should do something with whatever it is you imported. Otherwise, why did you import it, right? If you import a variable, you're going to use the variable. Right. But I could be using it elsewhere in my code, right? Then you would import it elsewhere. I thought you said it had to be imported into main. No, no, because I'm using it here. Because I want to run it here. I want to run this function. That's my problem to be solved. Therefore, I have to import this function. Because I want to run it, I'm importing it. Right, but you can want to run it in other code. It's a module you're bringing into some right. code you're writing. Right, but you import into the file you're using it in. You don't import in main and then use it somewhere else because you're not importing it into the global scope, you're importing it into the scope of your file. Not, not following this. The, you, you said it had to be in main, but if my, my stuff is, is in script.js, so if I've got a, a my JavaScript code is, is in script.js, you said I have to do the import in main, wouldn't I be using it in script.js? Okay. We're, we're we, no, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're talking cross purposes here. Okay. We're not talking about the same thing. So you import the code, you import the module where it is you use it. So if you need the module in a file called boobityboop.js, you import it in boobityboop.js. If you need the module in your main code, in your main entry point, then you import it in your main entry point. 
So then I don't know what my main entry point is anymore. I thought it had to it had to be called main and it had to have the imports there. No, your main entry point is the name for the thing you run. Right? If I'm going to if I'm going to run some code, I have to run some code. Well, where is the some code? That is called the entry point. Okay, so the word main doesn't mean anything then. It is not necessary no. to this. It Correct. could be script.js. No, it would have to be script.mjs because we're doing a module. Correct. Ourselves. In Node land, it would have to be script.mjs because we're living in ES6 land, not okay. CommonJS. So you were very specific at the beginning that it has to be main. That's why okay, I'm because, sticking to okay. that. Because I, I also said I define the entry point in package.json as main.mjs. Therefore, it has to be in main.mjs. Okay. I could have named it waffles.mjs. Okay. Okay. Um, you import the code where you need it. Because all right. that's the problem to be solved, right? Oh, when, oh, but here's where it is. Here's where it is. So in package.json, which is a JSON name value pair, it says, quote, main, unquote, colon, main.mjs. So it is, the key does have to be main, but the value could be script.mjs. Yes, or pancakes.mjs or waffles.mjs. Gotcha. It, it is the entry point. That is how you specify what to run, right? Okay, but the key does have to be main. Yes. Now, yeah, I'm not going to overcomplicate things. Yes. Okay. There, there, there is someone shouting somewhere that I am leaving out an edge case, which I am, and I know I am, but I'm intentionally... Okay, please do. <laughs> so, sorry, Jill, but I'm not, I'm not going into any more detail. Okay. Uh, okay, so we want to use our module, so therefore we import it, and then we use it. So, in this case, the export was a function. So, how do you use a function? You call it. So, okay. in this case, we just say show sleeps. So now, if you do your chmod plus x, because I don't know if zip files maintain the execute permission that I set on my end. So okay. it's possible the chmod is not needed, but better safe than sorry. And then you can just do dot slash main.mjs. And it will tell you that as of recording time, it is 55 sleeps till Christmas, which is how far it is from Halloween to Christmas. I have to do a quick interruption here. I had a lot of trouble with the examples Bart was walking us through, and rather than you listen to the struggle, I have cut what I hope is all of that out of the recording, but I did want to explain the root cause of the problem I was having. I had installed Node using Homebrew, which automatically gave me the latest version of Node, which was version 17.0.1. The latest stable version, as of the time of this recording, is version 16.13.0. When I installed that version, all examples worked as he described. The lesson here is to make sure you're working with the LTS or latest stable version rather than the current latest features version. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, minus all of the faffing about we had to do getting me working again. Um, so that's our first example, right? We took our code from last time. We made it into a module. It exported one thing, a function. As the default, we imported it. We ran it. Module 101. Okay. Uh, we can use named exports, though. So ex example B mm -hmm. is the same functionality, only a little bit better. So what I've done in example B is rather than having a function, I've made a little class, and I've added in some extra functionality 
Uh, actually, one of the suggestions from the wonderful Slack community at Podfeet, uh, sorry, the PBS community in the Podfeet Slack at uh, podfeet.com forward slash Slack was to do something about Christmas Eve. So it didn't say one sleeps. <laughs> so I put a special little message for Christmas Eve. Uh, and then I also, since it was a class, I added some getters and setters so that you can configure the icons. So you can have different emoji, different emoji for Christmas and for sleeping. Uh, and then because we now have extra stuff, I, I, to be honest, I just made up something to have extra stuff. So our module now exports two named exports, one for the class and one for the defaults for the icons. And we have a default export as well, which is the class. So the class is exported by name and as a default. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll work through the code here. So the, the code is sitting in s2xmascalculator.class.mjs. Um, so we start by importing moment again. Then we define our default icons as a dictionary and we export it. So we say export const default icons becomes equal to curly bracket sleep colon an emoji, Christmas colon an emoji. Uh, and then we define our class and we export it. So we say export class S2Xmas calculator. And then we have a constructor that just uses the default values. We have a get and a set for the sleep icon. We have a get and a set for the Christmas icon. And then the function to actually do the work is called calculate. And that is literally the code copied and pasted again with an extra if else to deal with the wonderful special case of Christmas Eve. And then the last thing we do is just to be polite, is that we re-export the class again as default. So we just have another export statement on the end of the file. You're saying export S2Xmas calculator as default. So it got exported with its own name when we said export class S2X calculator. And then we also exported it as default. And why did you do that? Just in case people didn't feel like using their own name or... Just one well, note, if I don't do it as a default, they have to use my name. Right. But you also have to export it as a, the class. You could have just done one, just done the default one and not exported the class, correct? Uh, yes, but then people couldn't do either named or. I wanted an example of named exports, so I, I had to give you. names. So okay. If, if I wanted them as both, I got to export them as both, right? You, you have to, if you want two, you have to do two. I see. And it's also good practice, right? By all means, give stuff names, but also give a default so that people who don't want to know the names can just use a default. So now in our main.mjs, we can import again. Uh, but this time, uh, we're going to import it with a name because the class is now a named export. So we say import steep calc from. So it says import open curly bracket. And that's very important because remember, I said curly brackets means we're going into name territory. Right. So we import curly, open curly bracket. We're going to import it with the same name that it was exported with. So we're just going to say import what we want. So S2X was calculator mm -hmm. from the path to the file. So the module specifier. Okay. So now, so we're, now just to clarify, we're in the main.mjs. And we're importing this uh, module that we created, s2xmascalculator.class. So we're importing just the class from the module. The module offers us two things. It offers us the default icons and the class, and we're only taking the class. So you don't have to take everything. That's the key point in this example. Okay. okay. So we are saying, give me that one named thing. I don't want the rest. Okay, okay. 
you know, we just want the class, so we just take the class. So now that we have the class, we can make an instance of the class. So const calc equals new s2x must calculator. And then we can just call the function again, which is now called calculate. So we can just say calc.calculate. And it will, you know, show us sleep till Christmas. But now we have these getters and setters for changing the icon. So what the hey, calc.sleep icon equals a different emoji. Calc.Christmas icon equals a different emoji. Calc.calculate. Oh, look, we have different icons now. Were you running that? In main.mjs? Okay, it's in main.mjs. Okay, but we're not seeing that happen yet. Uh, well, if you then go onto the command line and do the chmod thing and dot slash main.mjs, or for you, the delete the shebang line and then say node space main.mjs. So when I run this, uh, when I, I run main.mjs in uh, PBS128B, now I get two lines, 55 sleep still Christmas, 55 sleep still Christmas, but it's got two different sets of icons. So it's running it twice, right? Correct, because we okay. say calc.calculate, then we say calc.sleep icon becomes equal to the Zs, calc.christmas icons becomes equal to Santa Claus, and then we say calc.calculate again. Okay, okay. Okay, final example. I have been using low dash and underscore as our problem to be solved. So let's recreate that problem by making a new version of our calculator that uses the looks on date class instead of moment, because moment is actually deprecated. Much to my chagrin. <laughs> yeah, the developer has said no more. The developer has switched their attention to looks on, which is basically moment's successor. So I figured let's redo this simple bit of date magic using looks on as an excuse to make me learn looks on, and because I had time. So we're going to make two versions of X s2x calculator that are both going to be exported with the same name, which is equivalent of underscore and lodash, both exporting as underscore. And we're going to use both of them in the one file without there being any sort of drama whatsoever. So, okay, so PBS... I'm, I'm about to learn. <laughs> oh, God, this is a lot, Bart. Uh, we're learning modules. We're learning a new way to calculate date moments. And we've got two different calculations going on in there. A little, little yeah. overwhelmed. Remember, the Luxon stuff is a pure bonus extra. The important thing is we're going to have two things with the same name, and they're not going to break. Okay. The, the only takeaway here is that I can have two things with the same name, and it doesn't cause problems. The Luxon thing is just because I wanted, I needed an excuse to make two things with the same name, and I wanted to play with Luxon. So the okay. Luxon, you look at the code if you like, ignore the code if you don't. Okay, I'm hanging on with a thread, so don't scare me. Don't worry, there is no D. Okay. So you only need to cling on a little bit longer. So you're going to find two classes in your C folder, one called calculator-luxon and one called calculator-moment. The one called calculator-moment is identical to the one from example B. The one called luxon is mostly identical, but it starts with import date time from luxon and the calculate function uses different calculations uses Luxon's calculations. So the import statement is worth taking a look at because Luxon immediately out of the gate from moment zero, if you'll excuse the pun, is different to moment. So remember I told you to always watch out for those curly brackets on the import statement? They mean we're in named import land? Yeah. Luxon does not have a default export. Okay. So you can't just do import Luxon from Luxon. Oh, okay. 
you have to actually import the specific thing date time. Okay. So Luxon actually offers you about six different things, one of which is the class date time, which does what we need. It also has classes for representing periods of time and differences in time. It has a whole bunch of functionality, not just one thing, which is why it uses named export. But frankly, it could do a default as well. It would be nice if it did, but it doesn't. And we want their date time class. So I just say import open curly bracket what I want from Luxon. Okay. Okay. It's good to be able to flip. I open to both at the same time. Your calculator with moment and calculator with Luxon flipping back and forth. You can see the difference where the uh, calculator with moment says import moment from moment. But the Luxon one says import squirrely bracket date time from Luxon. Yep. And okay. so it's a perfect example of the difference in a default import and a named import. Yeah. So that's another reason I liked using Luxon as, as our example. Uh, and then the only other thing to mention is purely as a bonus is that the Luxon code is way nicer than the Moment.js code. So you have a you have a motivation. <laughs> One of the things that you pointed out last time was that the month returned by Moment starts at zero. So December is 11, not 12. Luxon, no such problem. It, you can see it there, if today.day triple equals 25 and today.month triple equals 12. That's much more readable. That looks like Christmas. Okay. I, I definitely didn't point that out because I've never looked into the, the depth of the code of that part. So, but yeah. I may have proactively pointed it out because it made me cranky when I was writing the code. Yeah. Under moment, it says now.month uh, triple equals 11. Isn't that a bit of an anachronism? Yeah. Also, it uses getters and setters. So instead of saying date, open bracket, close bracket, it's just today.day. Nice, nice. Okay. It's nicer. And there's the, another nice thing is the if statement. If today is bef is after Christmas, it's just if today greater than sign Christmas. Hmm. Nice. That's such a nice thing compared to moment.js where you have to use dot is after and all that kind of stuff. So it's got some nice little features, actually. So it's it's nice. Okay. Anyway, the important thing is both files create a named export with the same name. Uh, sleeps to Xmas calculator. So they they both they they both export with the same name. So a a, a named export. Uh, also, the icons are the same. The default icons. Yeah, are because the same. I was too. Uh, well, they the, yes, they export them with the same name, but the content is different. So yes, again, we have a clashing. Oh, yeah. We have two clashing names both okay. exports clash intentionally so main.mjs is going to import both of those modules even though they use the same names for their exports and it won't be a problem so we just simply say import s2xmas calculator as sleeps calc mjs default icons as icons mjs from the file for moment then we say import S2Xmas calculator as sleeps calc looks okay. default icons as icons looks from the other file. Okay. And so the as takes care of everything. Yeah. They just both come in as different names. So why would you want why would you want to bring them both in? Well, maybe hypothetically, I could want to race them, right? I could write a for loop that says, execute this one a million times and see how long it takes, and then execute this one a million times and see how long it takes, which is better. Okay. All right. Right? In, in the case of low dash and underscore, maybe you like the way low dash does a deep clone, but you prefer the way underscore does something else, right? You may want to pick and choose. 
So we can see both. Uh, we can we can use console.log there to see both icons. So moment JS variant icons, icon MJS, console.log looks on variant icons, icons looks, and then we can run both calc functions. So we just make an instance calc MJS equals new steep calc MJS calc looks equals new steep calc looks, and then we just call the calculate function. And when we run the code, we see the two icon sets, which are different. And then we see 55 sleeps to Christmas one way and 55 sleeps to Christmas the other way. Okay, I, I think I followed that. It got a little complex in the middle there, but I think I've kept up. Okay, so ultimately, modules export things with names or as default, and modules can import what they need with names or as default, and you can change the names as and when you need. Therefore, there is no such thing as a naming conflict. None of it goes in the global scope. So problems solved. Yeah. That is yeah. that did illustrate it. That was good. I know I panicked there when I saw the Luxon thing, but I think that worked. Yeah. As I said, the Luxon, if you are curious about Luxon, I know I am because I know I I know I have to change. I don't really want to, but I know I have to. So I figured I'd force myself to. And actually it's nice. It is nice. Good. Good. That's that's a few. So in the grand scheme of things, we are now making good progress towards our first milestone. We now understand what it is we're trying to make. I think that's a pretty good first step to making it, is knowing what it is we're trying to make. Um, but we have three more prerequisites before we can get stuck into our code. We are missing three more tools in our toolbox or pieces of our puzzle. We are missing a linter. We are missing a documentation generator. And we are missing a test suite. Can I set up next week? I know you've written something, but so have I. Okay, good. Yeah, you set it up. All right. Next week, we have a very special episode. Uh, you remember part of Bart's vision with this series is that we could have guest lectures on specific topics. One, so Bart didn't have to learn it and teach it and give him a little more time to do some background stuff he needs to do to make this series go. Uh, and Helma Vanderlinden from Helma from the Netherlands has stepped up. She uh, wrote spectacular show notes. I mean, up to the level of quality of what Bart does. And she and I have already recorded it on doing linters. So she explains the problem to be solved and uh, like why they exist. And then she teaches us how to install one and a style guide into VS Code. And it is a spectacular recording. And my favorite part about it is Bart hasn't heard it yet. So he's going to be learning. I'm torturing him. I could have sent him the file, but I didn't. He has to learn along with everybody else. So that's going to be on, uh, not next week, I should say, the next episode. Already recorded, already in the canon. It's wonderful. Yay. As yeah, Helma yeah. said, pretty big shoes to fill. Well, I just I just want to say a big, 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 big thank you to Helma for 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 stepping up and giving up some of her time off. I mean, it, it, you know, the universe lined up and Helma had some time, but she could have done way more cool things than this. Like she, she could have gotten eaten pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and like you, she had to learn a lot of stuff in order to do it because I had mistakenly said, oh, Helma's an expert on linters. And she was not. She had to learn it and teach it. And that's the best way. Well, there's certainly no, I now know so much more about modules than I thought I'd, I already thought I knew about modules and turns out I didn't, but now I do. <laughs> that's that's the joy of writing these show notes. You really do learn all the nuance and detail, like you discover when you're making videos for Don, right? Right. You have to learn the tool. That's for sure. So anyway, that's where we stand. So guest guest teacher next time, which I am looking forward to as much as I hope the listeners are. And then I will be back because by then I will have stopped procrastinating. I will have picked a documentation generator and I will have described it in some nice show notes. Excellent. And we'll be good to go again. 
So that that's all I got for you. I, although my voice is giving out. So I think that's the universe's way of saying, Bart, shut up. <laughs> I think we're done. Anyway, until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.